welcome to episode one of Downton Gabby, your weekly podcast. This is your second season auxiliary viewing society, as we like to call ourselves. Uh, but today we'll be talking about season one and getting ready for season two with our trademark sassy insights, more booze and less refinement. Okay, let's meet the ladies of the podcast. Hi, this is the Right Honorable Lady Trixie, Dowager Countess of Park Slope Manor. I'm a filmmaker and writer, and I'm currently working on a documentary called How to Lose Your Virginity, which is, yes, about our precious gift. So I'm rather obsessed with Lady Mary and the ruin of her reputation. I also share with her an affinity for mysterious Turks, but if I lived at Downton, I'd probably be middle sister Lady Edith, who I truly believe is misunderstood and not evil, sort of the crawly version of Jan Brady. I really hope she catches a break soon, and I'm looking forward to all the fabulous new dresses. Hi, I'm Rachel Horowitz. By night, I watch a ton of television, embarrassingly amount of television, and by day, I work at Twitter. And if I were a character on Downton Abbey, I think I would be the Dowager. I think I'd be Maggie Smith's character because she's so sassy and says what she's thinking. Um, and if I lived at Downton Abbey, I would definitely be upstairs with the family and I would be named the Countess of Rockridge. Duchess Shannon of Oaklandia, otherwise known as Shannon Bowen, a romantic comedy screenwriter based in Oakland. What I love about Downton Abbey, besides the visual masterpiece of costumes and sets, is that it feels like a really good novel. They give space and time to dig into the complexities of the characters, especially the female characters, which I feel like is pretty lacking in current TV. If I was going to be any character at Downton, I would be that mischievous rebel Sybil who can't wait to run off to the next women's suffragist rally. Hi, I'm Brandy Sperry, um, aka Lady Brandy of the Fremont Estates in Fair Seattle, and I write about movies and talk about movies for MacGuffinPodcast.com. And I also um, work at a high school with international students where there is never a dull day. If I lived at Downton, I probably would wish that I was like Lady Mary, and I think I have a little bit of that quality of um, throwing in a haughty insult in any conversation. But in truth, I'd probably be more like uh, Mrs. Hughes or Mr. Carson, where I just focus on perfectionism and not so much on my social life. Alright, so let's start with just some general thoughts about season one, why we got so into the show to begin with. I know when I started watching it, it was already on Netflix, and I burned through those episodes so quickly. Um, granted, it's only about six hours, but that was definitely um, 
two evenings of my life that I would not have done anything else for for any amount of money than finish watching the show. So uh, let's go around and just say our favorite things about it. Shannon, why don't you start? Well, I mean, I'm a sucker for a good costume. And that hunting scene, I mean, I pretty much orgasmed over that hunting scene. It was so beautiful. <laughs> and I just wanted someone to give me a chalice and my top hat and my red coat. And we're just going to ride off in the English countryside with a gorgeous man. So I was pretty much hooked there. Um, but I also do love that it actually has quality beyond <laughs> Victorian porn. Um, so I love that they really dig into the characters and there's actual meat to the characters that you really want to know more about these people. Uh, Rachel? I absorbed the, you know, season one over a couple of days and it's so funny because similar to Mad Men, I think the clothing and the period and how beautiful it looks. And I was just thinking when I was watching it the other day, something clicked and I was like, this is why there are LARPers. <laughs> wait, wait, what? what's a LARPer? Live action role players. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think because I was thinking, you know, I, to each his own, but, you know, you can be a little bit judgmental over people who play, you know, reenact Renaissance fairs or do battle in the field or whatever, like Civil War enactors and reenactors. And I've never really understood the appeal of that until Downton Abbey and the way they dress and the manners. And I was thinking, you know, if down the street... Someone was like, okay, at 2 p.m., there will be a Downton Abbey LARPing event, the flower show. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I would show up, and I would be in costume, and I would just have to look in the mirror and realize I'm a LARPer. Well, do you know what, Rachel? I think you might be onto a million-dollar idea because <laughs> I really feel like these kinds of events are becoming less crazy. I mean, look at Comic-Con. It sells out, like, amazingly every year, and people are all dressed up. You could totally totally do AbbyCon. <laughs> totally. So, I mean, it's that. I love the other thing that I, I just am. I love the... I love that it's right on the edge of this new, more modern era. And I love taking sort of everything I love about a Jane Austen novel and bumping it right up against the Great War and knowing knowing these, these changes are coming. And so turning particularly the female, the role of females in this society um, and their choices and really exploring that is really cool. Um, it's a really, really interesting time to set um a series like this for me one of the things we haven't talked about yet is just how really good the writing is um i mean of course the dowager countess gets all the best lines but but the whole thing is so well written and i was pretty much hooked from the very first scene at the abbey where carson the butler is telling lord grantham about the titanic and the first thing lord grantham says is he he, he basically points out that the ladies in first class were spared, but the people below decks weren't. And I just thought, wow, that's really an interesting political statement 
coming from this guy, Lord Grantham. That is amazing writing because you learn so much about those two characters and their relationship in what Carson doesn't say out loud that Lord Grantham does. No, but I do think that you hit on a really good point of that the Earl Grantham speaks for the lower class much more than Carson does. I think Carson is like basically the biggest snob and the biggest maintainer of the status quo class divisions of all of them. No, Teresa, I totally agree with you about Carson. But ladies, I think it's time. We need to talk about the Turk. So he just rides up and, you know, the casting is so hilarious because the dude is like sex on a horse, basically. (laughs) Uh. You can feel everybody's body temperature rise. (laughs) I love, you know, even... Even the Earl is like, I get it. The entire episode, like, oh, I understand what's going on <laughs> with the women. <laughs> Something pleasant for the ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Everyone at gets his ass. it. The entire house is like <laughs> Mr. Pamuk. <laughs> Just like I'm so obsessed with what he and Mary actually did. I'm actually confused. Like I'm not. I'm not sure what what they did in that room. Like he he promises she'll be a virgin for her husband. Yeah, that's very Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you define virgin? It's weird because yeah, she's concerned about whether it'll hurt, and then <laughs> isn't she? Doesn't she ask that? Oh, and then yeah. and and then afterwards, she doesn't really like describe it to anyone so I mean Mary's the only one who knows and she's so right off the bat like just you being in my room is enough to ruin me that anything that comes afterward is kind of like there's it's black or white to her so we'll kind of never know from a contemporary standpoint how far it went you know yeah and that's kind of the that's the other that episode really sticks out to me too because I think as we probably move on into season two, things get a lot more serious with the war. But, um, you know, Mary, Matthew uh, is clearly the sort of reasonable person to have a crush on. You know, he's nice. He's cute. He's responsible. He's the heir. Like, it's pretty tidy. And she's such. He's a little too good on paper. You know, he's pretty, you yeah, good on paper. And then you've got hot Turk in your bed. Come but Matthew. <laughs> But Matthew has the amazing progressive mother-in-law. Oh, Isabel! Isabel is a badass. Like when she's like, "I have the adrenaline right here in my hand." I'm like, "Oh shit, no, you did not." She's amazing. I'm... I love like her. she might as well just like stab it into his chest, and it slowly becomes yeah, a Grey's like... Anatomy episode. She she is such badass but isn't it normal that you would go for the bad boy i mean the hot bad boy that's not surprising to me that's where mary for all her sort of rational in the beginning you think she's sort of a husband hunter and after fortunes and kind of cynical about the whole thing and then you know at the end of the day it turns out she's just a hormonal teenager Who's like, yes, I'll ride over. I love when the Turk's like, are you going to ride with me over this pond? (laughs) (laughs) 
That's total code. Very symbolic, right? It is. <laughs> I also, like, there's the other detail I love about that scene is when they come in and they're all muddy and she's all exhilarated and someone's like, do you want something to eat? And she's like, no, just a bath. <laughs> and I'm like, really? <laughs> I need some you time alone. to the private place. <laughs> so that's the, that is the fun of the show you know for every kind of the writing's amazing the story is great all the different themes and uh that they're exploring and then it's sort of got this very entertaining you know soap opera going on melodrama. Well, yeah cora is pregnant like come on <laughs> You guys, Cora slipping on the soap it was one of the funny. I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but it was so funny the way O'Brien is like, I have an idea. <laughs> and like, who has ever slipped that bad on soap? I don't know. It's just hard for me to believe. I don't know. That's that's what a soap does. You know, you sign on for that kind of thing when you're watching this show. So when you get to episode six and something like that happens, you can't really be too indignant about it because... You know, that's you know that that's what kind of show you're watching. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the evil twin to come. You know, <gasps> Cora's evil twin. You know, and then she's having Lord Grantham's baby from another planet. I, I don't know. I mean, I watched a lot of Days of Our Lives. <laughs> I, I had a th I had th a thought about Cora falling out of the tub. Mm -hmm. It's like like when some heroine goes out in the rain and you know the next scene she's like got consumption you know yeah. oh yeah it's got it's like yeah it's totally like the end of bleak house right you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna walk in the rain until i die because i'm shamed that's right or jane jane take the horse to mr bingley's it looks like rain i, w I was gonna say like marley and me and the dog but clearly my my references aren't as sophisticated as the rest of the group. <laughs> Speaking of Jane Austen, do you all know that Dan Stevens was in Sense and Sensibility? Who was he in that? He was Edward Farrar. I think, like, one of the reasons I'm so into the show is because, like, oh, I, most of these actors I've never seen in anything before besides Maggie Smith and Hugh Bonneville. So... Mm -hmm. So it's easy for me to become completely attached to them as who they're playing. And they're really good. I mean, the actress who plays Mary is great. You know, even um the act, even the actor who plays uh uh Thomas is that the evil. Yeah. Right? And and O'Brien, the way that they're kind of sinister is great. You know, you they. they oh, I wouldn't want to run into O'Brien in a dark alley. <laughs> but I have a question. Why are they connected? Like, I kept thinking that she was his mother, and I was just, like, really confused. <laughs> no, I'm 100% sure that it's because of the bond of the smoke break. Like, they just go out and smoke together, and they have no choice but to form an alliance, because, like, nobody wow. else ever wants to have a smoke break with them. I did want to vote O'Brien most jarring to run into in modern clothing. <laughs> <laughs> Like, can you imagine O'Brien with, like, straightened hair and jeans on <laughs> and, like, Uggs? I just can't, like, it, like, blows my mind for some reason. I can't do it. So, you know, guys, we've been talking about how much we love it. You know, everybody that's listening to us loves it. Let's talk about the things that annoy us. 
I'll go first. I'll talk about Bates and Anna, who are the most boring <laughs> Romeo and Juliet I have ever, ever encountered. It's like they're just flat line, no heat. And I think I just have to say I'm a little predisposed because of watching Lost and I can't stand Kate's sad face, you know, <laughs> and I had my own drinking game, Kate's sad face that every time she came on and made that sad face, I'd take a shot and I was always drunk by the end of the episode. And <laughs> Anna's the new Kate, new sad face. We should do we should do a drinking game where every time Bates says, I can't say my Lord, we all should take a drink. <laughs> Okay, here's what I hate. I I I actually really hate Daisy. And oh, I don't I, I find her so funny. You guys don't feel sorry for Daisy. She is so Daisy, use your head. I love when the what what what's the cook's name? Mrs. Mrs. Padmore. Padmore. Padmore when she is trying to give Daisy the hint that there's something going on with Thomas. He's not a ladies' man. He's a troubled soul. Troubled soul. That made me just. Oh, okay, Daisy. If Daisy can't figure it out, he's a troubled soul. They. She deserves everything. Yes, I can't. I. Let's move on. Okay. Well, I'll say that the character I hate the most is the fucking doctor. Like, oh my god. <laughs> it's like. I don't know. I think I'll just let this man die instead of trying anything. <laughs> and meanwhile, I don't these, know. Yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, these women totally control his destiny. Yeah. And there's this, like, there's, he's, like, so useless to me. I just don't even understand why they couldn't have had a more dashing doctor or, like, someone who would, like, be able to be involved in storylines outside of the fact of someone needing medical yeah. attention. Like him and Mrs. Hughes. Him and Mrs. Hughes. I mean, they that could be... Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe, maybe Anna comes to her senses and she's like, fuck this Bates boring guy. I'm going to go after the doctor. That's my hope for season two. Bam, there it is. Because <laughs> he's so excited. <laughs> He's constantly letting his life be run by two bickering old ladies. <laughs> hey, she likes boring dudes. So who else do I hate? I actually, I've got to be honest, I hate Thomas. I really? Like Thomas. Yeah. I don't know. I he, sort of love to hate him. Like, as a character, I like the way that he rolls everybody up. It's just a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> that actually... You know what? I'm going to take that back because he's so good at pointing out all the class issues going on. And, and he's so good at talking about why they shouldn't like be devoting their entire lives to this incredibly wealthy family who owns yeah. them. That's right. So, that's going to lead into season two, because when we leave them all, he's kind of the most, I don't know, some people would say savvy about the situation. He's definitely oh, for sure. a step ahead, you know. But he's else. also a little naive that he doesn't realize, you know, I don't think anybody realized what World War One was going to be like because it was the first modern war and what horrors lay ahead. You know, he he's just like, yeah, I can get ahead. He doesn't think about what war is. He is, though, a little bit. I think what probably bothers 
some viewers about him and it, it rubs me the wrong way despite myself is what does he believe in? It seems to be just himself. You know, he doesn't believe in country. So everyone's getting into supporting the country, you know, heading to war, being a part of something where Carson believes in this family and this job. Um, and so Thomas has this sort of what what do you believe in? You know, he's he's a little bit a little bit too cynical for me at some sometimes. Okay, so let's talk about, you know, what we're excited about for season two. I'm pumped about more of the sort of Mary-Edith rivalry as they each try to get themselves settled somehow. I kind of want Edith and Mary to support each other and not undermine each other so much. I think it I think it will be extremely interesting to see how and if they would ever get to that point because their relationship is just so complex. Well, they've... they've done these major acts of betrayal to each other so you know oh it's so harsh like it's just like i can't even decide who's worse in that in that last episode <laughs> yeah. Each other, yeah yeah you know? <laughs> i know when when mary told Ant- anthony strallen that edith was making fun of him my heart just broke <gasps> oh, in a million God. pieces but oh. i almost don't know if she even understood how attached edith was because she thinks of edith as such like a like a gnat flittering around her you know uh, it's just edith it's, wrote it's the um, edith wrote the ambassador that yeah. the Kirk died naked in her bedroom <laughs> i mean that is <laughs> my like, sister is a slut <laughs> my sister yeah when they pulled out the slut word that was yeah. <laughs> Dear Turkish ambassador, there is a slut in our midst. (laughs) (laughs) How did that letter even go? (laughs) Okay, so Therese, what are you excited about for season two? Well, I'm, of course, very excited to see what happens to Matthew and Mary. Um, I was very, very sad at the end when there was just all of this just craziness between the two of them. So I, I want to know what happens with that. And I'm also really looking forward to seeing if Edith catches a break at some point in season two. It would be so nice to give her just a little shred of happiness. So I'm really looking forward to, as the as speaking from the feminist perspective, I'm really excited to see how the war provides opportunities for these female characters. You know, I think that wartime really opens up doors for women, and these women are hungry for those doors to be opened and so I'm really excited to see how they grow and if they seize those opportunities you're a good feminist Shannon I should be talking about the feminists too and yet I'm just obsessed with Matthew and Mary yeah I want to get I want to start I need to get to work on my Matthew and Mary YouTube tribute video Yes, you do. What's the song gonna be? What's the song gonna be? <laughs> Obviously, a YouTube song. <laughs> or like, I'll Can't be watching live with you. Can't without you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, without, without you. That's it. That's gonna be awesome. Oh my god, we have to make this video. It's gonna have like <laughs> neon cursive. <laughs> like, obviously, that. I, I'm sorry. That's. I'm just writing that down on my list. That's. It's, I'm very. <laughs> Okay, you guys, I just went on to YouTube. I just did a search for Mary and Matthew tribute videos, and I found one set to I Can't Help Falling in Love with You. Not as and, good. Oh, my God. And here's one that's with or without you. No! 
know. But I know we can make a better one. We can make a better one. Gosh, I guess. I I guess we were not thinking outside of the box. (laughs) Oh, we can. We can. Oh, it's already got thirteen thousand views. Oh my God. We're only going to do. have four listeners to this podcast, so we really, okay. need to, we really need to catch up, guys. I bet I think I'll make one for Shannon. I'm going to make one for Anna and Bates. Oh and my Bates. God! <laughs> I'll make an anti one. The track, the track I'll use is when I think about you, I touch myself. <laughs> I think that's for Mary and Mr. Pamuk. <laughs> When I think about you, I take a cold shower. <laughs> when I think about you, I go riding and I jump across a pond. <laughs> when I think oh about you, I, I die mid-intercourse in bed. <laughs> I have a question. Mr. Pamuk or Mr. Darcy? <laughs> well, it depends. Are we falling in love or are we just having one night pre-death? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think Mr. Darcy was probably pretty awkward on the wedding night when it finally came? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally awkward. He's like, here I am in my nightshirt. <laughs> okay, well, obviously there needs to be a porn made about this. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. What? Wait, wait. We have to come up with a porn name. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, well, it writes itself, right? Because everyone always... Pr- mispronounces it downtown abby (laughs) abby goes downtown (laughs) that's it that's it where will abby's adventure take her next but does she live upstairs or downstairs Uh (laughs) he prefers the downstairs (laughs) i don't even know what that means i have no idea what that means Okay, well, on that classy note, maybe we should wrap up this first episode. Yeah, I like it. We did it. Yes, all right. So this has been a pleasure. (laughs) And you can find us at downtongabby.tumblr.com or on Facebook at Downton Gabby or on Twitter at Downton Gabby. And we have tons of links to other people doing awesome stuff about Downton Abbey, obviously the best show on television right now. And we look forward to discussing season two when shit is about to hit the fan. And post a question or comment that we will address in the next episode. Yes, you can post uh, questions to our Tumblr page, and we will be more than happy to address them. Yes, please, Mom. Please post a question. (laughs) Yeah, please, Mom. All right. Thank you for listening.